it took perhaps almost 30 years for the Hashmonaim and the Jews to beat the Greeks and chase him out of Judea. That was a miracle by itself. Now, there is another very important miracle, which is generally, generally not discussed in great detail. Although, if you take a good Jewish history book, it will be discussed in detail. I call it the somehow forgotten miracle. Which miracle is that? That is the miracle of the oral law. Torah Shebealpeh. As you know, we have two Torot. We have Torah Shebikhtav, the written Torah, which we read from every Shabbat. That's the Sefer Torah. And Torah Shebealpeh, which is the Gemara, which expands on, amplifies, and explains the Torah Shebikhtav. Without the Torah Shebealpeh, we can't possibly understand and be able to perform the mitzvot if we strictly go only according to Rashi Bichtav. To give you one example, it says, You shall dwell in a Sukkot seven days. Well, we know from here that we have to have Sukkot and we have to have seven days. Beyond that, we don't know. What is the Sukkami? How big is it? What's the minimum size? What kind of materials? What about the skach? The roof? What kind of a roof we can have and we cannot have? All this is discussed in the Gemara, Masechet Sukkot, Masechet Sukkah. So the Torah Shabbat is extremely important. And there was a war about the Torah Shabbat. And we won that war. I'm going to amplify on this. A Jew must believe and conduct himself according to both. If not, then the Jew is an apikoros. He's a heretic. He's a kofir batora. Unfortunately, throughout the ages, we had many times groups of Jews that challenged the principle of the oral law. But thank God, the Torah Shebealpeh has always prevailed. Let me give you an example of this idea where the Torah Shebealpeh was extremely important and where the Hachamim emphasized with great pomp and with a lot of people around the idea that we must always adhere to and adopt the Torah Shabbat. In Masechet Menachot, for example, it talks about, in Perek 10, Perek Asiri, talks about the Omer, the offering that used to come, the, the, the Beit HaMikdash used to bring on the second day of Pesach, called the Omer. And we start counting from there until Shavuot. And they said that they, uh, they had Shluhe Bedin, uh, representatives from the Bedin used to go, and on the night before, the, the, uh, just prior to cutting the stalks of barley, which were used uh, for the minha, the korban minha, the offering of the omer, they used to have 
huge amount of people. Thousands of people. The Mishnah says, all the ayarot, all the All the villages around used to come and gather in order to participate in this celebration of the cutting of the Bali. Now, and it was the the uh, the person that was cutting says, we say something three times, and everyone answers three times. Is it uh, sundown yet? And everybody, a thousand people or more, yes. And three times, shall I cut now? And three times, yes. A whole whole bigger. Uh, <laughs> pump over there. Unbelievable. So, what's the idea behind this? Why? Even if it was Shabbat, they would cut it. Even Shabbat. Now, if I put on tefillin, which is a mezvah, just like bringing the Omer is a mezvah, put on tefillin is a mezvah. But I don't have a thousand people around me before I do it. Here I do. Why? Mipene habaytusim. There was a big problem. A big problem with the Baitusim and its Dukim. They were both. They believed only in Torah Shebikhtav and not Torah Shebaalpeh. It says, Mimaharata Shabbat, on the day after the Shabbat, which the Torah Shabbat describes the Shabbat means the day of rest, which is the first day of Yom Tov. So from the day after the first day of Yom Tov, which is the second day of Yom Tov, we bring the Omer. But the Tzdukim, the Baitusim, no, they explained it differently. The Yom Shabbat, it means the day after Shabbat, which is Sunday. It doesn't make any sense. There are many reasons why it doesn't make any sense anyway. But that's not the point. The point is, the Hachamim tell us, the Torah, the, the Torah Shabbat is telling us, Mahurata Shabbat is the day after Yom Tov. That's what we do. So this is why they required so many people to come around when a big celebration before cutting in order to emphasize that Torah Shabbat is extremely important. Well, during Hanukkah, during the war that we had, the Jews had against the Greeks, there were really two wars. There was a war between Jews and Greeks, and there was a war between Jews and Jews. The Tzedukim were very strong. Now, the Greeks conquered Judea, and for the first 140 years or so, there were no specific Israel to suppress our religion. But the Greeks, they were not only military imperialists, they were also cultural imperialists. They were adamant, they were stubborn in trying to spread their culture in every way. Whether it was literature, art, language, music, architecture, name it, it's there. And the main obstacle was that they glorified the human body. To them, the human body was everything. And they had sports and gymnasiums where people competed with no clothes on, 
nothing. All this was completely opposite to the ideals and principles of Judaism. But when it is pushed upon the people for 140 years, using persuasion, economic growth, promising power, wealth, and high positions in government, it worked. And a significant number of Jews became what we call Hellenized, adopted the Greek culture. Listen, when you keep telling the people, listen, you want a high position in the government? You want to be rich? You want to be powerful? You come join us. Well, maybe the first year, second, 10 years doesn't work, but after 140 years, it started to work. On top of that, there was another fairly large segment of Jews at the time, the Tzadukim, who believed only in the written law. And they were quick to adopt the Greek culture, quick to advocate it publicly and pushing it on the rest of the population. The Tadukim were, in general, they were wealthy people. They had power, they had clout, they had government help. They were collaborating with the government against the regular Jews. So, they were even more successful in bringing in thousands and thousands of other Jews to their side. They wanted, they only believed in the written law. And they, they, they were somehow in their, in their mind, the oral law does not exist. We don't follow it. Only what's written. And obviously, the Hashmonaim had to fight both the Greeks and the Tzadukim. The Greeks physically, the Tzadukim spiritually. Unfortunately, the Hashmonaim came and defeated the Greeks, defeated the Greek culture, and defeated the Tzadukim. The Hashmonaim, with their cry out loud, Mila Shem Elai, Mikamocha Be'erim Hashem, this is what they lived by. They wanted to bring back the Torah as it should be. The Torah, not just Torah, to bring it to, to, to all, to the entire Judea. And they were successful. That was the miracle of the oral law. There is another interesting point that I would like to bring up. When the Hashmonaim came in into the Bet HaMikdash, there was no menorah. The regular golden menorah wasn't there. The Greeks in Mahshimam, they plundered and looted everything in the Mikdash. And of course, they wouldn't leave the golden menorah there. You know, if you translate the value of the golden menorah then into today's numbers, we're talking of menorahs kikar zahab. Kikar is approximately 100 pounds. 100 pounds of gold nowadays. Okay? We're talking about 1,600, pounds, uh, 1600 ounces. Where nowadays each ounce is approximately $1,300. We're talking about $2 million of gold. Only gold. What about all the labor that was put into it? Forget it. We talk about big numbers here. But at any rate, 
This was something that was very, very uh, uh, valuable, uh, and and the Greeks uh, obviously they took it away. With the, with all the things, everything that was of value was taken away. So, what did they do? How did they light? What kind of mineral they had? Okay, so they 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 made a mineral out of iron. They made an iron mineral temporarily, at least until they can have something better. Now, the Torah says like this, In Mizbah Abanim Ta'asili, Gazit. The Torah says that we cannot, if you, if you build an altar, a Mizbah, are we talking about the Mizbah, which is used for the sacrifices? It says, Gazit. You cannot use a sort of, or any iron stuff to cut it in order to use it for the Mizbeah. And Rashi tells us in Parashat Titro, he tells us why. It brings the Midrash that says, look, you cannot use something, a sword, which is used to shorten the life of a person and use that for the Mizbeah with lengthens the life of a person. After all, a person sins. He deserves to be punished. But he brings it. He brings the Korban. HaKadosh Baruch forgives him. And he stays alive. He keeps on going. So one cannot be used for the other. Which means that the, the iron, any iron stuff was not used in order to cut the stones. The Ramban, Allah Shalom, one of the great Rishonim, Sephardic sage of the 13th century, a great man. He wrote a perush on the Chumash. He was a philosopher, even a doctor, a great man. He even had a dispute, a disputation with uh, the, the, the Goim at the time in front of the king. And he won. So, he said that not only the Mizbeah had was was formed and was, was uh, fabricated without any iron stuff. He says every keli over there in the Mizbeah was not uh, uh, made by using any metallic, any iron, any iron uh, utensil. Everything else. He said even the Adanim, you know the Adanim. The sockets that they use for the Mishkan. But the Adanim is, has to be something really very strong because it supported the entire Mishkan. But it was not made out of iron. It was made out of silver. So now, we have a big question here. The Hashmunaim, they made the menorah out of iron. The Ramban says nothing was made out of iron. So could it be that the Ramban has shalom? Overlooked what the Hashemunayim did? I do not think so. There must be a reason. There must be a reason why the Hashemunayim actually had to do it at that time. Had no choice. They did it out of iron. They had a reason for it. Perhaps we can understand it like this. You know, prior to the advent of the Hashemunayim, 
Jews did not fight the wars on Shabbat. Yehoshua, when he came to conquer Eretz Canaan, he fought 31 kings. He didn't fight on Shabbat. David Amalek did not fight on Shabbat. All the Shoftim, all the judges, and we had many of them, were a period of 400 years, and there were plenty of wars there. We didn't fight on Shabbat. So at the time of the Hashmonaim, originally, they didn't fight on Shabbat. But the Greeks, in Mashimavizikram, what they did was say, you know what? Why do we have to go and fight them during the week so that they fight us back? Let's wait until Shabbat. We'll go in there. We'll fight them. It will be easy. We'll just kill them, period. They're not going to fight us back. That was a disaster. They couldn't stay like that. But you see the Hashmunaim, they were the Midi themselves. They were part of the Sanhedrin. They knew the rules quite well. So they made the Takana. The Takana is, it's okay to fight on Shabbat because this is a matter of Pikuah Nefesh. Imagine, even if it is Safek Pikuah Nefesh, we still can be Mihalal Shabbat. And here it's definitely a sure if they come in, the enemy will come in. They'll be killing people left and right. So therefore, they said this is a question of Pikuah Nefesh. A question of Pikuah Nefesh. We can fight on Shabbat. Now, the 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 uh, Hashmunaim were fighting for the Torah, as we mentioned before. They were fighting to bring back the Torah. Now we know that in order to really study the Torah properly, it cannot be taught with a sword. It cannot be pushed on a person. In his dedication, effort, toil, willpower, in needs that the person accepts he should be agreeable to pursue the learning. However, if the Torah is forbidden to us, then we must defend it even with the sword. If there's a prohibition and we have the capability of fighting it, then we should fight it and defend it with the sword. But now, the menorah is symbolic of the Torah. It's symbolic of the Torah. Kiner mitzvah v'torah or. Just like a ner, a flame. When you have darkness, the flame brings light and illuminates, illuminates the room. The Torah the same way, in a spiritual way. When a person is, has darkness, meaning spiritually, is ignorant, doesn't know anything, then the Torah will enlighten him. The Nair is a physical enlightenment. The Torah is a spiritual enlightenment. The Menorah is a spiritual, the Torah is a spiritual enlightenment, but the Menorah is symbolic of the Torah. And if we can be, if we can defend the Torah by the sword, then we can make a Menorah also out of iron.
And perhaps that was the cheshbon. But that was the logic that they used in order to be able to forge a menorah out of iron. So Rabbi let me emphasize again that the Torah should be alpe. Baruch Hashem. Nowadays, uh, most religious Jews, of course, uh, they they do. <laughs> obviously, they accept the Torah Shabbat Now we do have some problems with the Reformed Jews and so on, and so on. Uh, they, but at least they are not fighting us like the um, the the tzedukim. They were fighting the religious Jews in order to make sure that the Torah Shabbat does not exist any longer. That's why that war was considered a miracle that the Hashemun won that war also. Now, as we have problems, we've had problems before also, but at least they, they, there's no fight here. They, we are all Jews. We hope that one day, someday, they'll be enlightened and they will realize that our Torah is the true Torah. The Torah of the Hachamim, the Torah of Moshe Rabbeinu, the Torah of the Rambam, the Torah of Shulchan Aruch. Eventually, we hope that they will. And Be'ezat Hashem, we hope that we, they will, and we all be uh, uh, fulfilling the mitzvot according to the proper Torah, and that will bring our Mashiach Tzidkenu. Amen. Rabotai, just want to remind you again, this particular station extremely important for our community. It has a lot of benefit for the young, for the adult, the elderly, men, women, poor, rich. Very important. It should stay alive. And I hope that if you can afford it, please make an effort to contribute to it. Also, I want to just to remind you, we have a beautifully renovated uh, uh, social hall. Tal says, if you have any simha, please call us. I'm sure we'll be able to accommodate you. Hanukkah Sameach and Shavuatov.